So today, I wanted to speak about um, a topic that, is, again, based on the principles of God, because I know no better way of being successful. The Bible says if we would meditate on God's word day and night, it says we'll make our own way prosperous. So that's vital because God's word and God's principles aren't foreign to us. It says do not kill. Right? Do not hate. Love. Love your neighbor. Love God with all your mind, your heart, your soul, your body, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. I can love my neighbor a little bit and get upset at him if he does something to me and then kick him to the curb. But if I love him as I love self, I won't kick myself to the curb. Every morning I wake up, I still look in the mirror and say, man, this wasn't here last week, you know. I got to, you know, cut my, snip this mustache, right? And don't, don't, don't look at me so pure because I know you do your own preening at home. I know you don't wake up that morning, this way. You do not wake up this way. <laughs> you don't, it, it, that only happens in Hollywood. You said, actually, that's not true. I know, I know you're going with that. But the truth of the matter is, you know, we care for ourselves. We want to make sure we look good and presentable. Right? That's normal. It's natural. God has no problem with that. But he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. See, so God expects us to love who God made us to be and to respect ourselves and to appreciate ourselves. But he says, love your neighbor too that way. So when we follow God's principles, you know, communities will prosper. You know, most of the problem we have today in this world, I said before, it's sin. What kind of sin? Well, greed, avarice, a desire for power, a lust for control, right? You know, I, I have a million dollars. Well, I want two. Well, I have two million. Well, I want ten. I want fifty. I want a hundred million. Meanwhile, in your company that you're making a hundred million dollars off of, your people aren't even making fifteen dollars, a fifteen dollar wage. And every time they, they mention it, well, you know, things are hard. Business is hard. No, it's just business. Have you heard that one? It's just business. I, I, one, one time, a new company came in and wanted to put everybody new. And they gave me a letter. This is about 20-something years ago. And they gave me a letter. The letter says, we want you out before Christmas. This is November, right? And I looked at them. I says, are you out of your mind? And they said, oh, it's just business. We just want to do something new. We're coming in. We're brand new, so we want everybody new. It's just business. That's all to you. To me, it's personal. Because you're telling me my family can't eat in Christmas, right? Anybody experience that? You know, that's the way people think many times. If they had the heart of God, you think they would have done that? No, they would have transitioned it in such a way where the, 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 if the people have to leave for whatever reason because they want to go a different route. Uh, I know companies that will give them a month, two months. They, they'll sit down with them and say, let's, let's set a benefit package for you so you can at least have time to get another job. Compassion, Right? This is the issue. So we need to understand the principles of God. Say to your neighbor, I need to understand the principles of God. And another thing that, that just, I don't know if I want to use the word irritate, but the things that disappoint me sometimes about human beings, it says we demand, we demand in our own lives, right? Some of you are not getting, elect, um, and you're not getting um, heat right now in your home. Anybody here not getting heat right now in your home? Not getting heat? That's not a nice thing. So what do you say? Oh, well, things, you know, could be wet, right? No, you say, uh, landlord, no está mi calefacción. Where's my heat? Right? No está el Yo necesito el 
That's the New York Spanish thing. <laughs> yeah, they, they want their... Listen, they'll go to Channel 7. They'll go to Help Me Howard. I want what... We're very demanding. Now, my question is, do we have the right to be demanding? Of course we do. But yet, watch this, watch this, watch this. See, you, 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 you fell into that one because you agree with me too quickly. When God's demanding, we have a problem with it. Yet God's the creator. God created us. He can demand any time he wants to. If you have a dog, you know, you're the owner of the dog, right? You tell the dog where to go, right? If he goes inside the house, what do you do? Oh, that's so nice, nice doggy. No. You go, bad doggy, come over here. This is where you go. See that tree? That's the tree I want you to go on. Uh, yes or no? We demand. But yet in Scripture, God demands that we live in his purpose. Because he made us in a special way. Right? If, if you make something and, and you want to offer it to the people, you want to make sure that it comes with what? Instructions. Because they might misuse the thing. If I make a hammer, what is a hammer for? Hmm? Of course, to make eggs. Well, oh, uh, that's not what it's for? See, you people acted weird when I went against its purpose. But that's normal. But yet, we want to go out of purpose and yet expect everybody to be okay with it. In this year, 2017, we saw that. How the world is going insane. And yet they want us to... Go insane with them. I'm not going to, you know, iterate the, the specifics. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, we're, we're bonkers. And yet we get upset and offended when somebody tells us, listen, that's not the purpose of a human being. It's not the way God created us. Oh, how dare you? If you were, uh, you know, nice, if you were, uh, you know, uh, tolerant. That's another word they use today, tolerant. Tolerant of what? The only people... That can't be tolerant today. Let me say it the right way. All of us are tolerant except when we present the principles of God. Then suddenly there's no tolerance for our purpose. You see, what I mean? see, see where this is going, right? And here's what I told people around me. I told my wife this. I told them years ago. If as a nation our leaders decide to thrust same-sex marriage on us, we have lost our foundation. Nothing again will have a solid footing. You know why? Now it's all up to, this is the way I feel. And there was a big backlash because a lot of mothers and fathers got very angry at our nation when they said that if a, a man thinks he's a girl, he can use the girl's bathroom. Remember that one? Anybody here or, or were we in Gilligan's Island for four years? Because the only ones that don't know about this are the ones that would live in Gilligan's Island for four years. I'm not going to have my daughters in the bathroom and then have a, no, well, I feel like I identify as a woman. Uh, well, biologically, there's an, it's an impossibility no matter what you say, right? But here's the catch. The catch is that once we said that biological truth no longer matters. The only thing that matters is how I feel at the moment we lost it all. Because what we did in essence is we threw away God's principles and instead we inserted our feelings as principles and as, 
yeah, the feelings as principles. And the problem with that is I don't feel the same way every day. I feel different every day. So what if I feel like I'm a turtle today? I'm a turtle, right? No, impossible. But because biologically, I am a male, I'm a human being. You understand? So there's certain things that no matter how hard we try, it'll go against the grain. So what will happen is, you, you ever seen pumps and motors? You know, they flow well. You know, your engine, it flows well. Yeah, flows nice. But if you stop treating it properly, you stop putting oil on it. Don't put any oil anymore in your engine. You know what's going to happen? After a while, it's going clack, 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 boom. Because we didn't treat it properly. We didn't treat it according to its function and nature and purpose. And that's what's happening to society. Society, I'm not hearing it anymore. I'm hearing clack, 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 clack. Very soon comes the boom. So we got to get back to God's principles. Say to your neighbor, we need God's principles more than ever before. God told his people, if you meditate in my word day and night to do everything that's in my word, you shall make your own way prosperous. All these men in Hollywood, for years, they've been going against God's principles and mistreating people and abusing people. And suddenly God just lifted up the veil just a little because if God were to lift it all up, we would, be, we would, be, we would implode as a nation. Just a little, and you know what's going on right now. People that have been rich and famous, getting their way, doing whatever they please, suddenly they are pariah. And all along it was there, and people knew about it all along, but nobody was saying anything because the minute they started saying something, they were shut down. You know, blacklisted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But thank God that sometimes God, he says, from the heavenlies, he says, enough! And that's what happened there. And I hear more, enough, in the year 2018. So things are going to continue to be exposed, things that we didn't know about, things that we only thought that might have been occurring. But I believe that more enoughs are going to be exposed in the coming days. But when you follow the principles, the word of God, when you follow uh, the scriptures, when you live righteously, what is righteousness? It's a question. Hmm? Doing the right thing. What is righteousness? By the way, it's right. What is righteousness to you? When you hear the word righteousness, what does it mean to you? Being right with God. Absolutely. Yes. What's integrity? Integrity is when something is complete. You know, a building that, that has integrity means there's no cracks in the foundation. When the, cra- when the foundation has cracks, it no longer has integrity. And sometimes they tell you, you have to leave the building until we fix the foundation. So when the foundation has no cracks, it has integrity. And part of righteousness is being integral in your life. In your, being congruous with, the, with what you say and what you do. Especially when no one's watching. That's good. man. That, come, come here and finish the message. <laughs> you're preaching. You're preaching. Praise God. There you go. Amen. Yeah, that's good. That all of these are excellent. Righteousness, part of it is when God declares you righteous. Why? Because you ask God for forgiveness. And in the court of heaven, it it, it functions different than our court, but you could see it this way. In the court of heaven, here you stand, and you're all alone, and you have the prosecuting attorney, which is the devil. The devil knows all about you. He knows all of your sins, you know, from day one. He knows them all. 
And he goes before the judge. Who's the judge? God himself. God is the just judge. He's just. He knows the truth. So the prosecuting attorney knows, I know him. He did this and that and the other and that. Bop, 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 bop. He takes out a litany of things that you did. And the only thing that the judge can say, I declare you guilty. But on your side, because you decided to partner with God through Jesus Christ, what happens? Your defense attorney is Jesus Christ. So here, Jesus comes up to the just judge, Almighty God. He says, Father, he received me. I forgave him of his sins. My blood cleansed him of all sin. So the just judge says, so you took the sins for him on the cross. I declare him not guilty. Uh, somebody lost a moment right there to just to praise God. So right there, God declares you righteous. All the sin, which by the way, sin is sin. You stole a pencil, you're guilty. You lied, you're guilty. See, so we're all sinners. The Bible says all have sinned, all come short of the glory of God, right? So if you look at the Roman road, part of the Roman is when we come to Christ Jesus, he forgives our sin. And the thing about God is God's not like us. I forgive you, but I'll never forget. Huh? What do you think about that one? Isn't it true? I forgive, but I ain't hanging out with you anymore. I don't like you anymore. It's, it's not really forgiveness. It's not full forgiveness. It's like, I'll tolerate you because I got to see you every Christmas or the family gatherings or whatever it may be. <laughs> or I got to work with you, so I, I'll tolerate you. But when God forgives, the feeling of disappointment, the, the feeling of anger, the feeling of revenge, anything that's in the heart is gone. It's gone. It's gone. I no longer look at that person the same way. Right? He forgives us, then he declares us righteous. We're in right standing with God. Now, in the earth realm, you stole. You did this. You did that. You did that. Your friends know you. They know the past you. They'll come up to you. Why are you, why are you dressing that way? Why are you think, who do you think you are? We know who you are. The Bible says that when we come to Christ, everything old is gone. It's dead. That man, that old man is dead. The new man now lives in righteousness. So God sees us righteous, but our friends still see us as the same old mess. You see? So when we, when we come to Christ, many times we can't hang out with our old friends anymore. Not because we don't love them, not because we don't care for them, but they won't accept us. They won't accept our new life in Christ. So sometimes you're forced to now seek new friends who accept you, the new you that you are. I know, I lived it. I had to let go of some friends because they wouldn't receive me. They would actually joke about me. They would criticize me. Oh, there's the holy roller. Oh, there's the holier than thou. Now you think you're better than us? No, I'm just forgiven. I'm a child of God. I'm now righteous in the presence of God because he declared it. Not because I earned it, but because he declared me righteous. Right? And then the other aspect of righteous, righteousness is that you just do the right thing. If you have a chance to steal or not steal, don't steal. If you have a chance to hate or love, love. Even if you have to bring correction to somebody. And by the way, there's some people you need to forgive and still not hang out with because they're just not worth it because they themselves are, are still a mess. So I'm not saying that you have to go back to the person, okay, you're going to abuse me again. No, no. If somebody's an abuser and you forgive them just so you can release yourself from that because it's right, they still are a mess. So you can't hang out with them anymore. Because they still have an issue. They, they haven't worked out the issue. Some of them you'll forgive them. They say, well, I don't need your forgiveness. But that's okay. I forgive you anyway. Because I'm not going to walk in hate. I'm not going to walk in, you know, this feeling. I'm not going to walk in revenge or anything like that. 
So I, I release you from that. Praise God. Those are some of the principles of God. So, but let me read to you some verses because very, wow, very troubling. And, and it happens today. It happens uh, to all of us uh, if we're not careful. So Isaiah, I'll start with Isaiah 43 because God's doing a new thing in, in our lives. Because before we would take things in our own hands. But today we're putting things in God's hands. And what we're taking upon our, our hands is we are working God's promises, working God's word, working God's principles. So Isaiah 43, 19 says, Behold, I'll do a new thing. I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So God is doing a new thing in the year 2018. But, but we have to step up. So what I'm going to talk to you a couple of minutes about is stepping up in this new year. Amen. We have to step up to the plate. We have to take responsibility of living the word ourselves. I mean, I appreciate pastors. I appreciate, you know, because I have a pastor too. I appreciate my friends who pray for me. But I have to take responsibility for my own life. Amen. I can't expect other people to be righteous for me. I have to be righteous on my own. I have to choose to live right before God because I love him. Not because I'm earning my salvation. That was a gift to me. But I have to make sure that I walk right. And guess what? When I mess up, which by the way, we mess up every day. Somehow or another, we mess up. You make it right by saying, this is wrong. This is not my lifestyle anymore. Let me make this right. You understand? So we, we correct ourselves every day. Why? Because it's necessary. Why? Because we go to the Word every day, and the Word shows us what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. The Word corrects us every day, adjusts us, helps us, directs us. Praise God. So true faith has actions. Anybody here have faith in God? So you have one, two, three people, four, five, six. Okay. <laughs> For whatever reason, I guess too many people are doing exercise with their hands, and their hands are real heavy, so they have a hard time lifting them. You know all that eating? All that, you know, celebration? So everybody's hands is... That's a, so I, I know you tried to raise your hands. It's just a little so heavy because you've been doing so much exercise. <laughs> Praise God. But the truth of the matter is faith. We have faith, right? Yes. True faith has actions. A person that has faith is a person that acts out their faith. So what are the actions? Trust, confidence, commitment, staying power. Because we're in for a fight. When the enemy comes in, he comes in because he comes to attack your faith. I'm going to say it again. When the enemy comes to you to try to hurt you, to try to sabotage you, to try to you know, affect you in any way, shape, or form, try to uh, affect your relationship with God, he'll do it because he sees active faith. Say, say to your neighbor, he's after your faith. Tell one more person, he's after your faith. So you need to understand that. When the enemy comes at you, it's because you have something that he doesn't like. He sees the life of God in you. He wants to zap you, you know, from that. He wants to take that away from you. Remember when Jesus was born? What was the first thing the enemy tried to do? Take him out. You, the, 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 suddenly the governor uh, made a decree uh, that all firstborn should be killed. How does that happen? What a dictatorial community, right? It's because they wanted to shut Jesus down. The enemy wanted to shut down the Messiah from coming out. What about Moses? Remember when Moses was first born? What happened? Same thing. Pharaoh heard from who? 
from the people that practice the magic arts, the black arts, that there was a prophecy that a deliverer was born. So Pharaoh, you better stop that right now because he'll grow up and he'll take you down. All right, kill all the firstborn. Wow, how convenient. See, the enemy will do that. In your, even in the inception of your faith, in the beginning of your faith, the enemy will come at you hook, line, and sinker because he doesn't want you to evolve. He doesn't want you to grow. He doesn't want you to become mature in your faith because once you're mature, you're going to do damage against the kingdom of hell. Hallelujah. And you're going to restore others to the kingdom of God. So he's trying to take you out. Tell your neighbor, he tries to take you out. Well, say this to your neighbor. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. See? Hallelujah. The, the greater one resides in you. That's what he's doing. He's recognizing the greater one within you. Praise God. So we have to, we have to wrestle. And our nature, say, say with me, I have a nature. See, that fleshly nature only wants to be comfortable. We don't want to fight, you know. I remember this one movie. Uh, the president gets up and says, can't we all just get along? If you saw the movie Mars Attacks, yeah. Mars Attacks, <laughs> Jack Nicholson, imagine Jack Nicholson. Can't we just get along? And then the alien conveniently wiped them out <laughs> right there. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is that's what we want. We want comfort. We don't want to battle. We only want to complain. I got no amens there. People love complaining. You can't go a week without hearing somebody complain. I don't think you could go a day without hearing a person complain. We just complain. We just love it. And yet, God hates that. We go against God's kingdom when all we're doing is complaining. Our nature is to fear. Fear change. What if it doesn't work? What if it fails? We're always thinking about that. Our nature is to doubt. To doubt God. God, I'm going to bless you. I don't know if he's going to bless me or not. Our nature is only wanting to be, have comfort, refusing to war over our territory or over our sphere of influence. Well, guess what? God's giving you a sphere of influence, but you have to go war for it. Remember when God told Joshua, Joshua, I'm giving you this land. Go with all the people, get in. Take it. It's yours. Right? What did they do? Well, they went in and they took it. But a previous generation, God had told the same thing to them, and they refused. God said, take it. It's yours. And you know what they said? We can't. We can't take it. We're afraid. You know, this, this thing, you know, there, there are enemies in that land. There are giants in that land. And you know how, how irritated God, 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 God says, I'm telling you, it's yours. I'm giving it to you. I just finished delivering you from Egypt. I just finished doing miracle after miracle. Ten times Moses went in to uh, Egypt and says, uh, let the people go. And Pharaoh said, no. Okay, this is coming upon you. And it would happen. Over and over, God proved himself faithful. Over and over, God proved that he is God. And when the Red Sea, not for nothing. Okay. The people get boils. The, the, the frogs. The sea turns into blood. All that stuff is amazing. Crazy. But for a sea to open up? You're God. <laughs> that people saw that. They walked through as literally the water stood up and obeyed God's commands. And as they're walking, if it was me, I would not have walked across. I would have ran across. Because I know 
water doesn't behave that way naturally. <laughs> yeah, what would have been easier? Just, just get me across in a, in a helicopter. But, you know, God chose to do these astounding miracles in the midst of Israel. But they were so deeply rooted in that slave mentality, in that mentality that we're helpless, we have nothing, we don't own anything, everything's been taken away from us. Where is God? That when they're seeing the miracle, they still can't believe God. And when they got to the other side, the same sea that opened up the door for them and let them go across took care of all the enemy that was coming at them to kill them. Killed them all. Not more astounding than that. And God gets them to the place. He says, okay, that's yours. I'm giving it to you. Go in, take it. No one will be able to stand in your way. So Moses goes ahead and sends 40 spies so they could spy out the land. No, 12 spies so they could spy out the land, and they did so for 40 days, right? And what did they do? They went to see what routes they could go in, you know, what the terrain was like. You know, did it have uh, uh, fruits and honey and milk, you know? So that's exactly what it was. It was a reconnaissance. So they came back, and they confirmed everything that God said. It's a beautiful land. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. It's a land that, that's lush and green. Anybody could raise a family there. But God didn't tell us about the giants. <laughs> there are giants in there. And the legend is, is that they kill their enemies, and they eat their enemies. Right? So, they said, we can't. God said, you can't. No, we can't. We feel, as we look at them, they're giants, we feel we're like grasshoppers before them. See, it's all about what I feel. It's all about my emotions at the moment. See, what are we doing today as a nation? We're letting emotions come into the ascendancy and God's principles down to the ground. So now, instead of just talking to you a little more about it, let me read some of the stuff. And let me, let me show you God's attitude when we decide to take emotion and bring it up to the ascendancy. When we decide to say, God, we know that you're a miracle worker. We know that you can do it, but we choose to believe our circumstance. We choose to believe that these enemies are stronger than you are. Because even though you said it, our eyesight, our faith is being put upon this versus your kingdom, versus your principles, versus your promise, versus your character, versus your very nature. So what happened was they went against his very nature. They challenged his very nature as God, as being faithful. And they said, no, we choose to believe this. Let me go to the Word. Let's go to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. Because I want you to read it also at home. Because God has moods also, you know. God has feelings too. And sometimes he gets very angry. Sometimes he gets upset. And sometimes he gets upset at us. Let me, let me open it up here. Numbers 13. In the beginning, you'll see that the Lord spoke to Moses. He says, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am given to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. So it was not just any old person that they, that they sent to spy the land. It was a leader. It was a person that knew better, that supposedly knew God, that supposedly understood 
the grace of God, the love of God, the power of God. So they went in to see. So we scroll down. Let me see where I want to go here. All right, so let's go to verse 26. Verse 26 of Numbers 13. Go to 26. It says, now they departed from the place. They were uh, doing the reconnaissance for 40 days. They came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back to them, they brought back word to them and all the congregation. And they even showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, Moses, they told Moses, they said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. So they came back even with proof that what God was saying was right. In verse 28 it says, Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. And all of these ites, I call them ites, um, had a specific legend behind them. They were, they were known as ruthless. They were known as warriors. So then Caleb, which was one of the 12 leaders, you had Joshua and Caleb and 10 other men. Caleb said right away, he got in front of the people before Moses, he said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we're well able to overcome it. Now, say that with me, because later on, you're going to see how God spoke about Caleb and how God spoke about the other ten that refused to trust him. So say this with me. Let's read it together. Let's go up at once, where it says, let's go up at once, in verse 30. You there? Let's go up. Let's say that together. One, two, three. Let's go up at once and take possession, for we're well able to overcome it. Okay? That was his attitude. That was his faith. He knew God, and he frankly didn't care that there were giants in the land because God had already said, they are dethroned. I have given you the power to overcome. I have given you the power to overwhelm them and take the land. So both he and Joshua said the same thing. And then verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said this. They said, we're not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. What did God say? It's a fruitful land, a a land that flows with milk and honey, but yet these guys said it's a land that devours its inhabitants. Amazing how perspective can change a thing. You could be in a situation where you just lost your job, and you'll say, I don't know what to do. I've lost my job. There's no hope. Armageddon. Yet another person loses their job. Oh, man, this is the best thing that happened to me. Now I'll take that little vacation, and I could go, go after the, the thing that I really wanted to do. This job has held me down for long enough. I'm going to take this opportunity to grow, go back to school. You see, it's all in perspective. Caleb said, we could take this right away. The men said, no, we can't. It devours its inhabitants. So what did God say? God say it's yours. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. What did they say? It devours its inhabitants. And that's what many Christians do today. God said, I'm going to bless you. And you say, yeah, no, I, don't, I don't have anything. I'm, I'm in bad shape. Our mouth gets us in trouble. And we complain bitterly. Let's, let's keep on reading. It says, the land which we have gone through as spies devours its inhabitants. And all the people... 
whom we saw in it are men of great stature. They were actually giants in, in those days. Uh, men that were eight feet, nine feet tall, you know, warriors. There we saw giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. So we were in their sight. In our own sight, we were like, like grasshoppers. And this is the problem. When all you see around you is hopelessness, despair, what you're actually seeing is what you believe in your head. I'm going to say it again. What you see usually is not the truth. What you see is your perspective at the moment. So we have to challenge our perspectives. We have to challenge the very things we believe because it comes from our perspective. It comes from our subconscious thinking. And what did we experience in the past? Failure maybe. Maybe people told you you're never going to mount to anything. So that stays with you. And your brain, which was created by God, has a protective element to it. Your brain, actually, is a part of your brain that all it does is always try to get you back to the place of comfort and safety. I hope you get this because you're going to have to fight it in the year 2018. Your brain will always press you to go to comfort and to go to safety. Now, you go out to go to a new job or you go out to study to do something better for yourself, immediately your brain will fight you and say, you can't do that because you might fail. You can't do that because you have a cushy thing now. If you let that go, you might not get the better, so you have to be careful. And then it will throw emotions at you. You'll start feeling almost like a fear or a concern. Or you might get anxiety or you might have a, a, a fight within yourself. And then you give it up, and you go back to your comfort, and your brain says, okay, I did my job. I protected my master. Meanwhile, it did not know that actually the other situation would have been better. But because its perspective is, it thinks, danger, warning. I'm sorry, uh, loss in space. That's, you know, warning, danger. Sorry, some of you younger folks don't know. The, <laughs> today's robots are a lot different than the robots of old. <laughs> At the, every single time the roll, roll, you know, danger, danger. They would go, shut up. <laughs> go, it was always seeing danger every, at every corner. But our brain exactly does that. So we have to sometimes decide that we're going to go into a fight with ourselves. We have to say, not, not this time. I need to take this step. This step is better for me. I need to go to school, or I need to do this, or I need to do that. Whatever it might be that takes you out of your comfort level, expect the fight with your own mind. Expect the fight with your own heart. And you're going to have to overcome that. The first fight you have to fight is the fight with your own self. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But these men didn't understand that. They went right with They didn't even bother challenging it. They went, they said, oh, we can't do this. Look at us, we're grasshoppers. Who ever said they were grasshoppers? God didn't say that. God said, you're well able. I call you warrior. I call you overcomer. I'm giving you this land. Hoorah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's in the scripture. Hoorah. Somewhere along, the, somewhere in the Old Testament. There was Gideon that said that. Hoorah. <laughs> yeah, but think about it. You know, here we have God saying, take it. I said, we can't. We look like grasshoppers. No. They thought that, and they refused to let go of that stinking thinking and let God have the dominion in their mind, in their heart, and because of that, they aborted. They aborted their future. 
So let's go to chapter 14 a moment. Let's, let's, let's dig into this just a little more. Go into chapter 14. I'm working with a computer, so I can't just change the page. I have to go to the link and change the page electronically. So verse four, uh, chapter 14, verse 1. So the congregation, no, no, it says all the congregation. So all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. God's saying, I'm giving you the land. God's saying, celebrate because I'm doing something amazing for you. And they're home crying. And all of the children of Israel complained. Say with me, complain. complain. See, they complain. But complain against who? Who did they complain against? The very people that were saying, God said it, we can do it. So when you choose to move by faith, when you choose to move in God's purpose and plan, when you choose to believe God, guess what? Some of you in your very family, you're going to have people that are going to rise up against you and complain against you. Because they can't see what you see. That's why you need to be tough. When you choose to believe God, you need to be tough. Because sometimes you've got to go at it alone. And your very family will choose to complain against you. Some of your brothers in Christ will even complain against you. It says here, those of the congregation complain against them. I'm not getting enough amens today. That's all right, I got to preach this truth anyway. I'm going to get it to you even though if you all complain against me. I just wanted to throw that in to get you. you know. I don't know, sometimes if a, if a person preaches, it just sounds more like... I'm explaining it to you like, <laughs> I preach it to you, so I'm like, yeah, amen. All right, all right, all right. I don't get it. This is powerful stuff. Amen. Then it says here, they complain against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, if we only had died in the land of Egypt, or if we only had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? That our wives or children should become victims. Huh? That's not true. Where are they getting this from? It's in their head. Why has the Lord brought us to, the, to this land? Would it not have been better for us to return to Egypt? Yeah, let's go back to the same old mess before. It's better. No, it's not. We get so anxious. We get so much in a, a state of emergency almost. Crisis. That we start thinking that the old was better than the new. So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. So now they're saying, we want to get rid of the leader that God set up for us and get one that would agree with us so we could go back to the same old mess. And this is what a complainer does. He seeks out people that are complaining just like them so that they could wallow in this misery of complaining and feel justified while they're going against God's principle. Amen, Pastor. Good stuff. Awesome word. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the children of Israel. They even got on their knees. Please, don't do this. Don't you understand what you're saying? What are you saying to God here? But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, notice these two men who were, by the way, Two of the 12 spies, they saw the same exact thing. They said this. They said, 
who were among those that had spied out the land, they tore their clothing and they spoke to the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, the land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he'll bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land. Don't fear them, for they are our bread. Their protection has been departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. See, they were speaking by revelation. They were not speaking by crisis. Now, I don't know about you, but what does, what does bread do for you? Hmm? Fills, sustains. What else? Huh? Do you dip it in your coffee? Spoken like a good Puerto Rican. <laughs> It, that's good. It absorbs. So, okay, uh, I'll forgive you. She said it absorbs and you have to think that you know, coffee absorbing. Okay. So he had a revelation of the enemy. So the enemy wasn't bad for them. The enemy was actually good. Because the enemy's bread. Bread for us is nourishment. And all the other stuff that you get and absorbs. I, I got to study that one. That'll, that's Absolutely. So it absorbs the acid so that I can be better. Absolutely. That and oats, by the way. Yeah. Oats is another thing. I, I use oats. I like oats because it does the same thing. But I like bread too. I love bread. <laughs> too much bread. But the point is, is that Joshua had a revelation of what problems do for you. These people were freaking out because the problem is going to devour them. And yet Joshua saying, no, 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 no. Problems are good. Exactly, it moves you. You, you. you have to think deeper. You have to go into critical thinking and become a problem solver. And God was saying, you know, I'm going to bless you. This, this land is yours. So Joshua had a revelation. He said, God said this and God said that. He kept on saying God's word, yet the others kept on spouting their concern and their worry. He said, he also said this, their protection has been departed from them, has departed from them. So he knew something by the Spirit of God. See, and this is the thing, when you walk by faith and when you hear God, you move sometimes by the wisdom of the Word of God and the grace of God, and people around you can't see it because they don't have the revelation. So you can't get angry at them for not understanding you at the moment. You know, when you got it and you're going for it, you got to tell people, watch me prosper. Let's, let's practice that together. I'm going I'm 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 to say one, two, three, and then it's, and you're all going to say, watch me prosper. All right? Yeah. One, two, three. Watch, watch me, me prosper. prosper. See, that's what you need to tell your friends when they don't understand what you're doing. That's what you need to tell your enemies when they're trying to take you down. Watch me <laughs> prosper. The greater one resides in me. He said it, he will perform everything that he says. God is not a man that he should lie. He is faithful. When he speaks a thing, if you align with what he is saying, you too will be able to prosper. Hallelujah. All right, so then listen to this. So this man speaks faith to the congregation. How do they respond? Verse 10. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. No, no, listen, 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 listen. That happens. When you are in a place, when, you, when you're freaking out, somebody tries to give you a good word, you want to stone them. You might not stone them physically, but you'll speak out. You'll lash out against them. You'll try to hurt them because you're in a place of hurt. So that's why if you're trying to help somebody, if they come at you real strongly, don't take it seriously. Because they're in a position right now that they're not, speak, they're not thinking right. 
But these, they were not saying, you know, listen, let, let's just speak words against them. No, they, said they wanted to stone them. They wanted to end their earthly life. And guess what? When somebody tries to hurt you at that point, guess who gets involved? Guess who gets involved? Well, let's read it. Verse 10. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. When the enemy tries to mess with you, the glory of God will appear. When somebody tries to take you down, tries to steal from you, tries to take it away from you, the glory of the Lord will appear. God says, you're not going to mess with my children. I'm there with them. I am their mighty giant. I am the one that establishes, hallelujah, their, their safe zone. Their, you know, there's actually, the blood actually covers us. The enemy could come at us anytime, but he can't because... God protects us. He gives us a hedge of protection. He raises a banner in the midst of our enemies, in the midst of our circumstances. So I thank God for that. Because if it wasn't for that, boy, we'd be eating alive. It's the people themselves. And it says the congregation was saying to stone them. Not the world. The congregation. Some people say, well, I got hurt in the church. Well, guess what? <laughs> Joshua almost got stoned in the, kind of, in the midst of the congregation. So, you know, so somebody just says something about you. You're all right. You're all right. You're all right. <laughs> yeah, some people are not going to understand you. Some people are just jealous of you. Some people just don't like you, and they're going to talk about you. Well, I'm not going to go back to that church because, you know, I, I got offended. Get over it. Because you're going to get offended. You're going to get offended in the church. You're going to get offended at job. You're going to get offended at Christmas. Your family member is going to say something dumb. Right at home, right? It's just human beings do that. Sometimes we're just dumb that way. Should I stop it right here? I'll stop it if it's too much. I just want you to enter the year 2018. You know, these people never, never entered. I want to show you why they never enter so we don't do the same dumb mistakes. All right. Well, let me, I still got some. See, look at the clock back there. What was that? All right. Well, that's true. That, that is true. Amen. Absolutely right. So then verse 11, Moses, the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? How long will they not believe me? With all the signs which I have performed among them. I will strike them with a pestilence and disinherit them. And I'll make of you a nation greater and mighty than they. Now when you got God angry at you, you're in trouble. Like Whoopi once said, you're in danger, girl. That was, that was from the movie Ghost, okay? Uh, that was <laughs> Whoopi was at her finest in that movie. She really was. She, she was very fun to watch. Well, so then, verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, but if, Lord, if, if this happens, then the Egyptians will hear it. For by your might, you brought these people up from among them. Then they will tell the inhabitants of the land that they have heard that you, Lord, are among these people, that you, Lord, have been seen face to face and, and your cloud stands above them and you go before a pillar of cloud by day and by a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill all these people as one man, then the nations which have heard your fame and 
speak, will speak and saying, because the Lord was not able to bring these people to the land which he swore to give them, therefore he killed them in the wilderness. And now I pray, let your power, let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying, notice he was reminding God of what God said. Isn't that interesting? It sounds like prayer. It sounds like intercession. It sounds like Moses was interceding for these stiff-necked people. Like we do Wednesdays. Like we do Wednesdays. <laughs> Say it louder. Wednesdays, you have an invitation to intercede. And, and you said this, verse 18, you said the Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. So how does God respond? God says, I have pardoned according to your word. Wow. I have pardoned according to your word. See how powerful your word is? See how powerful your prayer is? Many times the only thing that's saving your family is your word. That's why it's important to watch what you say. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who, those who love it will eat of its fruit. We have to be careful the things we say because they have power in this earth realm. Why? Because God created us. We are made in his image and in his likeness. When we speak things, we create things. We create feelings, emotions. We create pictures and panoramas. We create futures and destinies. So we have to watch what we say and watch what we pray. Hallelujah. But no, note this. I've pardoned according to your word. But truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of God. Because all of these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness have put me to the test now these ten times and have not heeded my voice. They shall certainly not see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of these who rejected me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, he has followed me fully. I will bring into the land where he went. With his descendants, he shall inherit it. Notice, Caleb's faith blesses descendants. Amen. Amen. I'm going to say it again. Your faith can bless your children. Because Caleb decided to stand, the inheritance were able to see the land. Amen. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valley. Tomorrow turn and move out into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. He started them on a trek. They were able to enter right there, but God says, now you will not enter. Now you shall now go start to walk in circles. Now look what he said, verse 26. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, oh no, we, we said that already, right? Oh no, this is again, verse, verse 26. <laughs> this, this is heavy, this is heavy. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron saying, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? Complain, again, complain, complain. I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Did you hear what I just said? Did you hear what I just read? God hears our complaints. I got no amen right now. I got people looking at me all weird. You're processing? Is that what it is, people? You're processing? Okay. All right. Okay. This is, this is heavy. 
This is why it's important not to complain. Say to them, as, as I live, the Lord says, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. So that's the principle. The principle is that many times we complain about God, about his word. It didn't happen quick enough. God says, the very things you're saying will happen to you. Sometimes they become snares. You're snared by your very own mouth. Because you don't realize that your mouth has creative power. I'm going to say it again. Your mouth, your words have creative power. I'm going to say it one more time so it can sink in. Your mouth, your words have creative power. So when you're complaining, you're saying things are horrible, guess what? They become horrible. I'm sick all the time. You become sick all the time. Because your words have power. Your brain listens to the words you say and then seek to create the very, um, the very image of the thing that you're creating. Wow. Is anybody listening on, on, uh, online? Okay, I want some comments on that. Um, so I, or those of you that are listening online right now, if you're listening, what do you think about what I'm just saying? And about complaining. Let the Julio notes write it out because I want to hear it. See, we're, we're, we're in the digital age. We're in the, you know, the internet age. So I want to hear them too. But this blows me away because it says, the carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in the wilderness. All of you who are numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above. See, those people that were younger, they were innocent. But these ones, they, were, they, they knew what they were doing. Except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I saw I would make you dwell in. Now, in this situation, here we have the giants, here we have people complaining, but yet two men decide to stand for God. And out of all those that perished, hundreds of thousands that perished, live on their entire life in the desert because they refused to believe God. God said, enter. We can't do that. So what's the option? If you don't believe God for your future, what's the option? The same mess that you're in. God is saying you'll come in. Now here's what happened. Those that didn't believe stayed in their mess. But the two that chose to believe God were literally able to enter in. Their children were blessed. And they both received their inheritance. Remember the woman that was sick? She had an issue of blood. There were thousands of people around Jesus. She pushed her way in and she touched the hem of her garment. She believed God for a miracle and power came out of his body. Nobody prayed for her. Jesus didn't pray for her. She just touched the hem of the garment of Jesus in faith and power came to her and she was healed instantly. And not only that, there are thousands of people around Jesus. A lot of noise, a lot of activity, right? Just for three seconds, I want us to um, just yell and just say weird things. For three seconds, say it loudly. One, two, three. One, two, three. Stop. I said three seconds. <laughs> okay, right. Didn't that sound loud and nothing was... Now, imagine times that... What was it? 60, 70 people? Times that. So it becomes 5,000. Let's go further. It was 5,000 men. There was also women there. Just maybe, maybe some 7, 10, 12,000 people. Imagine the sound that was there. So she grabs Jesus quietly because she didn't want to make it public. 
because no woman should touch a rabbi in those days. It was not legal. It was not permitted. She touched the hem of his garment stealthily so that nobody would know. Get her healing in secret and go away home. That's what she wanted to do. And Jesus stops suddenly and he says, somebody touch me. And so the disciples, rightly so, they say, uh, Master, we're all touching you. You got a thousand people just next to you touching you. There's everybody's thronging you. He says, no, 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 I felt that power came out of me this very moment. Somebody touched me with faith. And so the woman says, it was me. I'm sorry, I've been sick all these years. He says, go home, your faith has made you whole. In the midst of thousands of people, she gets her miracle. Well, guess what? In the midst of hundreds of thousands, these two get their inheritance. While thousands did not get their inheritance. What was the determining factor? Trust in God. Trust in his character and his nature. When you don't trust somebody, and you go up to them and say, well, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. What are you saying to them? See, that's an insult. Now, we have the right, if you're a stranger, I don't trust you, I don't know you yet. But if I know you and we know each other for 10 years, I've been nice to you, we've been faithful to each other, so I just don't trust you, I can't trust you. That's insulting. That's what they were doing to God. They were insulting and impugning God's character and nature. Do we get any comments? What's what? That's it? Oh, it's on my phone? Really? Take it. I don't have my phone right now. All right, let me see. Let me go to my phone. You know, they, they, they're going into my time now, right? My phone's not here. Oh, hold on. Say this. So next time, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put right here on this side, I'm going to put an iPad. And the iPad should be able to read stuff. Let me have the old. Because they had God show them in person great signs and wonders, and yet they still had no faith. It is crazy, but yet it happens. It happens even to thank you, thank you so much. It even happens now. We're doing the very same thing now when we choose not to trust God, not to believe God. So, verse 36. Now the men whom Moses spent out to spy the land who returned and made all the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report on the land, those very men who brought the evil report about the land died by the plague before the Lord. But Joshua the son of Caleb, I mean Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh remained alive of the men who went out to spy, spy the land. Wow. Verse 39. Moses told these words to all the children of Israel saying, rather... Then Moses told these words to all the children of Israel. And the people mourned greatly. And they rose early and went up before to the top of the mountain, saying, Here we are. We'll go up to the place which the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. See, afterwards they wanted to trust God. Afterwards they wanted to believe God. But now let me give you another one. And with this one I'll finish. Verse 34. Let's read verse 33 and 34. And your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years. 
and they'll bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. Now look at verse 34. According to the number of the days which you spied out the land, 40 days, for each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely 40 years, and you shall know my rejection. I, the Lord, have spoken this. I will surely do this to all this evil congregation who are gathered against me in this wilderness. So for every day that they chose to rebel and cause others to rebel, they had to suffer one-year penalty. Since it was 40 days, they suffered 40 years. Well, how many days have we been mourning? Well, have we been complaining? How many days have we been complaining? If God were to issue to us that heavy a penalty for every day that we complain, it would be like 120 years. It would be a life sentence, right? God deals mercifully with us. Through Jesus Christ, he forgives us. So as we enter the year 2018, listen and learn. Look, observe, and learn. Go into the year 2018 grateful. Go into the year 2018 thanking God. Go into the year 2018 with faith and expectation because he has spoken to us. He wants to do a new thing in our lives. He wants us to be blessed and to be a blessing. Go into the year 2018 like Joshua and Caleb. Because Joshua and Caleb received everything that God promised. What was the determining factor? The fact that they were faithful. The fact that they remained faithful to God. That they did not establish gods before him. Many of us establish humans as gods before him. I feel this way. Therefore, you know, I put myself in the ascendancy. And I want God even to submit to my plan. Listen, it doesn't even make a difference if a nation says the Bible's illegal. A nation can say God's word is illegal. It doesn't make a difference. God is higher than any nation. God is the creator. Nations have come and gone, and he's still God. God is God all by himself. So what did the apostles say? We choose to believe God over man. Even if... They create a law stating that we can't read the word. I'm still going to read the word. Because I need to trust God over man. Laws today are being created not because they're good or healthy for humanity, but because there's a special interest group that wants to force their lifestyles upon all of humanity. And you know what that does. That brings the judgment of God. But look how God judges. He's the righteous judge. All those that rebelled against God, what happened to them? They received God's judgment. Those that chose to believe God, what happened to them? A lot of milk and a lot of honey. Basically, they had to go into that land and fight for the land. But as soon as they went in there, they found that the enemy was already afraid because the Spirit of God had already been preparing the hearts of these people to move out. 
Right now, God's preparing the scenario for you so you could enter in. And maybe you're not the oldest one there, the most experienced one there, but God's going to, as you go in, God's presence is going to go with you and he's going to turn the hearts of those people. And God's going to establish you. And God's going to give you grace and favor. And God's raising up people right now into places of influence that were not known, but they're going to be known in the year 2018. There are going to be suddenlies when you're going to be thrust into places of influence, even TV, even radio. Suddenly, it's, it's going to happen suddenly where some of you are going to just, boom, be famous overnight. And famous not so you could be big and bad, but famous so that you could share the goodness of God 